Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, member FINRA SIPC. Sierra Ridge Wealth Management is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. The S&P 500 is a market-cap-weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies in leading industries of the U.S. economy. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of Hunter and not those of Sierra Ridge Wealth Management or Next Financial Group. Next does not provide tax or legal advice. Accelerator Podcast. Hunter Lowry here. I'm a financial advisor, and my goal is to help you to create a family legacy, not just short-term wealth. So I was speaking with a client the other day, and we got into the discussion of using Roth accounts, or I guess non, or sorry, retirement accounts in general versus non-retirement investment accounts. And you know, the thought being there, um, obviously a retirement account, you know, you can't touch it till you're 59 and a half. There's some tax benefits, of course, but the client was saying, you know, Hunter, I just want to invest in something where I can have more access to it. I can get the money out if I need. Um, I, I just want to be a little bit more liquid than that. So, uh, it, you know, that kind of hit a uh, a good speaking point in my mind. <laughs> so I kind of wanted to bring that question to you guys because it's something that I get a lot. Again, why don't I just use a non-retirement account? Then at least I can get access to it whenever I want and I can do whatever I want with it. So let's start with a quick refresher of the difference between Roth IRAs or uh, non-retirement accounts. So a Roth IRA, it's going to grow 100% tax-free. A non-retirement account, is taxed on an annual basis for any realized gains or losses. Okay, so what's a realized gain or loss? Basically, any time that you sell a position, you are locking in either a gain or a loss. Obviously, if you sell it at a price that is higher than you bought it, you're locking in a gain. If you're selling at a price that is lower than when you bought it, you're locking in a loss. So you're going to be paying capital gains taxes on that gain or loss whenever you initiate that sale. Now, the the amount that you're going to be paying in taxes depends. There's short-term capital gains, uh, which is if you've held the position for less than a year, you're gonna pay short-term capital gains on it. And that is based on your ordinary income tax brackets. Um, so it's probably going to be a little bit more. You're gonna be paying a higher tax. Then if you hold it for longer than a year, you'll be paying long-term capital gains. Uh, which the highest you can pay is tw- up to 20% on that. So um, realistically, you want to hold positions longer than a year if you can with within a non-retirement account. So basically, within one of those accounts, and especially in a year like this where we're seeing really, really volatile times, again, volatile can be up, um, and maybe you bought a position, a single stock that did really, really well, and you cashed it out because you wanted to lock in those gains. Well, you just triggered a taxable event. Maybe you held it less than a year, so you could be paying over 20% in short-term capital gains taxes on that money. But since the markets performed poorly year to date, that account may be down over the entirety of the year. So you can get into a, a, a situation within a non-retirement account where you are paying capital gains taxes on an account that lost money. 
that is a bad, <laughs> a really bad situation to be in. And honestly, you know, that's something that I monitor are the uh, taxable gains within the non-retirement accounts. And if there are a bunch of gains at the end of the year, I go through and I try to sell some positions at a loss to mitigate uh, that tax burden. Again, that's getting pretty far into the weeds, but that's something that I manage for my clients that do use non-retirement accounts. So for a Roth IRA, a Roth 401k, anything that is a Roth retirement account, you pay taxes on the dollars going into the account. And as everything grows, you never pay taxes on any of the gain. Yes, you heard me right. I'm not lying. There's no catch. You never pay taxes on any of that gain. You're only paying taxes on what you put in. So it's basically like when you're a little kid and you go to get ice cream. <laughs> and this brings me back. Again, I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, where it is hot all the time. I was telling somebody the other day, we don't really get winter in Tucson, Arizona. It's just either mildly hot or extremely hot. Those are kind of the only two um, states of weather that we get over there. So when I was a little kid, you know, you go and get ice cream. Obviously, you're going to go to Baskin Robbins because that's the best place to go ever. And of course, your mom or your dad is going to have to check it for poison. I mean, it has to be done. If you didn't have your parents check your ice cream or something that you liked for poison, I don't even know what they were doing. It's just mandatory for all parents. And now that I'm thinking about it, I honestly don't know if parents do this because they actually want the ice cream or, <laughs> or if they just want to mess with their kids. Because every single little kid that has this happen to them, they're going to say, oh, you're testing my ice cream for poison. Ugh, oh my gosh. And then while their parents are eating it, they're bouncing around and watching to make sure their, their mom or dad is just taking a really small bite and they can get it back as soon as they can. So, <laughs> so bring yourself back there. You're 10 years old. You're at Baskin Robbins with your family family, logically, you're going to order a waffle cone with three scoops of rainbow sherbet. Anything else, you're just not maximizing your experience there whatsoever. So Baskin Robbins, they're going to take three heaping scoops of rainbow sherbet ice cream, and they're going to throw all of it in the waffle cone so that it looks like it's going to spill over everywhere. But those waffle cones are strong. Don't you worry. It's going to stay in there. So being that little kid again, would you want to give your parents access for their poison trial when there's only one scoop in the cone or when all three scoops are in the cone. Of course, you would rather that they take the test when only one scoop's in there. Then you don't have, your parents don't have access to the entire thing. They're not gonna be able to take as much. You wanna save as much ice cream for yourself as you possibly can because there's nothing better than having all three of those big scoops of ice cream all to yourself. And that is the Roth IRA. The government has already taxed your money before you put it in the account. They do not get access to it again as it grows and grows and grows over time with compound interest. They don't get their taste for poison anymore, only at the initial deposit of the money. The non-retirement account, it's basically like giving your parents an open invitation to come and taste for poison as much as they want at any time they want while you're eating it. If they get that much access, they're going to poison test five, six, maybe 10 times. And they're going to take a lot more out of your ice cream cone than they would have if they only had access to the initial scoop. So that's the difference between the Roth IRA or you know re retirement accounts versus non-retirement accounts. So let's look at some actual numbers of what could happen with these two types of, of accounts. So both scenarios, we're going to go with the exact same number. So I'm just going to imagine this fake person, you know, is 35 years old, they're married, and we're going to assume a 10% annual rate of return 
over a 25-year period. You know, since they're 35 years old, they don't have access to retirement accounts, so you're 59 and a half. So for round numbers, we'll just say, you know, we're gonna go till you're 60 years old. So a 25-year time frame. So for the Roth IRA accounts, you are able to currently contribute $6,000 per year into each Roth IRA. And being that you're married, you can also have a spousal Roth IRA as well. So you can get basically for two Roth IRAs, $12,000 a year into these investments. That's investing $1,000 per month. I mean, shoot, we spend more than that just going out to eat at our local restaurants. It's a small amount. But, you know, if you, after that time frame, if you wanted to retire at 60 years old, you would have just about $1.2 million in your Roth IRA accounts. You would have invested, uh, not about, you would have invested exactly $300,000 yourself and had growth of about $880,000. So you would have paid your taxes on the $300,000 and the $880,000 of growth was never ever taxed and never ever will be taxed, ever. You can take it out, you can let it keep growing, you can keep contributing to it, you can do whatever you want and they're not going to be able to do any taxes on the gain of the account. So. When we do the same calculation on a taxable investment or a non-retirement account, I assume this person was in a 22% marginal tax bracket. Again, same situation, 35 years old, married, investing $12,000 a year, now into a non-retirement account, and they're getting a 10% annual rate of return. So now you would have $852,000 after this time. So you would have lost out on about $330,000 of gains just because of the taxes that you would have to pay on that. And, and honestly, this is best case scenario. That's basically the smallest amount of opportunity costs that you're losing there because that's just assuming a flat rate of tax. That's not assuming that you had a couple, you know, stocks that were big hitters and, and you cashed them out and you had to pay more or, you know, you saw a, a shiny new bass boat that you just had to have or, you know, that new living quarters horse trailer that's coming out and you're just pulling money out of the account at a whim at any point in time because you have access to do so and every time you continue to pull money out, you're triggering another taxable event. So again, that $330,000 less than the Roth IRA over that time frame is the best case scenario. That's with never touching the account, which is probably not going to happen. We're not programmed that way, right? Again, I had this episode um, a couple days ago about putting smart on auto. It's smart to have some buckets of money that are locked up for the long term that we don't have access to because it's our nature to want to go in and get access to the funds and take away from our future goals in order to satisfy a craving that we have today. Okay, so let's also be real about this though. There is a place to use non-retirement accounts. There's are some benefits to them. Of course, you can only get the $6,000 per year into each individual Roth IRA. Of course, there are the handcuffs on it until you're 59 and a half. There are benefits of the non-retirement account. You can put as much money as you want in there. You could put $10 million a year into that account. You can get access to it whenever you want. I mean, that is very, very appealing. And honestly, I use them too. There is a place in your retirement plan for using non-retirement accounts, but it's after fulfilling your retirement goals. 
I don't put any money into my non-retirement accounts until I have maxed out my monthly retirement goal into all my different retirement vehicles. Then with discretionary income after doing my budget, I throw as much money as I can into my non-retirement account with the goal of buying real estate properties in the future 100% cash. Maybe I'll use it as fun money to buy a toy in 100% cash. But again, that is after I've satisfied my Roth IRA retirement goals and other uh, investment retirement vehicles that I've had in place. Once I have maxed those out that I wanted to do on a monthly basis, the excess discretionary income I put into my non-retirement account, again, in order to fund future purchases. So overall, it is a fantastic tool to have. I think it is a necessary investment vehicle for every single person to utilize, but it is has to come after fulfilling your retirement goals. I think it is super, super important, and I would never recommend that anybody use the non-retirement account rather than the Roth IRA because of everything that we mentioned in this entire episode. We do not want to miss out on the opportunity cost of the tax-free growth. So I hope that helps, guys. Again, it's, it is so important to have a really, really good understanding of not only what you're invested in and why you're invested in certain funds or certain positions, but it's also just as important to understand what type of accounts they're in. Are you with using Roth 401ks at work? Are you using Roth IRAs for your personal stuff? I mean, there's so many different types of accounts that you can use and the tax consequences of them are drastically different. So we have to know what type of investment shelter you're putting all of your investment vehicles into. And if you ever want help reviewing your financial game plan and making sure that we can reach your financial goals while taking on less risk, I would love to chat. You can schedule a one-on-one discovery call with myself at my website, hunterlowry.com. It's 100% free and it's a link right to my personal calendar. I would love to chat and love to meet you. Thank you everybody for tuning in. I always appreciate all of the support and it's a great day to have a great day, everybody. Take care.